When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the GM Shuffle. New Orleans will stub their toe. New Orleans may not have fallen out from the Cleveland game by the time they come to Philadelphia. <laughs> they, they might be like Frankie Carbone. Remember him and, and Goodfellas where he's in the meat locker yeah. all hooked up? You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Brian Ortega, filling in for our guy, Elliot Bowman. Elliot is back home enjoying the holidays. So we hope Elliot has a fun time with his family. But Brian Ortega, we appreciate him stepping in here for Elliot, making sure everything goes afloat here. As Michael, we've made it to week 16, a lot to get to. And the big wow. news was out of Philadelphia earlier this week. I mean, we were texting mm. back and forth about it. You called me saying, hey, uh, I'm going to go ahead and make some phone calls, go to the bat phone here real quick. But Jalen Hurts <laughs> is questionable, and his status is uncertain this weekend against the Dallas Cowboys due to a right shoulder sprain. You know, I, I think when you go back and watch the play, it was he landed on that hard concrete field in Chicago on his right shoulder. He still made a great throw to A.J. Brown, kind of which helped win the game. But I, I don't think it's as serious as, you know, I wrote about this in VEASAN in 17 when they lost Wentz, who was having an MVP season. I mean, I think this is something that they're going to manage. I don't think he's going to play this week. I'm told he's not, and there's a chance he may not play against the Saints either even though the rhetoric coming out of Philly is he has a chance to play. Mm-hmm. Look, they have a really good backup quarterback, Femi. Uh, I mean, you know, the guy has started a lot of games in the league. You know, he's thrown 41 touchdown passes in the league. He's got 12 interceptions. I mean, he's won games for the Philadelphia. He's won games for Jacksonville. You know, so I, I think they're in pretty good shape. And I was shocked as you and I were texting how quick that line moved just because of the player, not a disrespect to Hurts, but I thought it was a little bit like, wait a minute, Minshew is playing, could play really well and change the Eagle offense. Minshew has started 22 games in his career, 8-14 and 14 as a starter, 41 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. So like you said, he's played a lot of football. He's a capable quarterback, and he's. I think the most important thing is that he's surrounded by so many talented players and a pretty good coaching staff to where he should be able to keep this thing afloat here. 
if you were the general manager of the Eagles, if you were Howie Roseman, how do you go about handling this? Because the Eagles just need to win one game to win the NFC East, and I think if a couple things break right, they can also clinch the home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Would you be comfortable resting Hurts all the way until the potential divisional round? Because you're talking about five weeks of Jalen Hurts yeah. not playing. That could be a really tricky situation going into a win in advance situation with the quarterback being a little rusty. Well, but he's going to rest three weeks no matter what, right? Nobody's going to play against the Giants, okay? And then they have the bye week, and then they get ready to play. So he's going to get three weeks off anyway. So really what we're talking about is the Saint game. You know, I mean, if he's a little hurt, which he is, well, you can't play him this week. So the question is, does that one game against the Saints really make a difference if we've clinched everything? If we beat mm -hmm. Dallas, does that matter? I mean, you're not playing the, against the Giants. I mean, you can mark that in the win column for the mm -hmm. Giants. The Eagles will retreat, you know, like you've never seen an Army retreat before in that game. <laughs> they'll put Kelsey out there for the first play, and, man, they'll be out of there. He'll be a back out, and nobody will play in that game. I mean, if they could find some, some guys to bring up to the roster, that's what they'll do. So they're going to want to keep their team healthy. I think for if you're Philadelphia and Howie Roseman, the only thing that you're concerned about is health. I mean, look, they came out of the, came out of the preseason and played well opening day in Detroit. They scored a lot of points. Their defense wasn't great. But I think they'll understand what they need, that rest is more important than the grind. It's, it's interesting that you bring up this Saints game here because there could be some incentive for Philadelphia to beat the New Orleans Saints because – they do have the Saints first-round draft yeah. pick. So maybe there's a little bit of incentive to, hey, let's win that I'm game sure there and, is. and improve our but draft But they could beat the Saints with Minshew. That's yeah, my whole point that. of the yeah. conversation is they could beat the Saints with Minshew. I mean, you know, their defense is good. They're playing really good defense. They, they've got a the, – the key to the Eagles, and I've said this and I wrote this today in a, in a column on, Monday, on Tuesday for the VEASAN, is their strength is their offensive line. So they can shift and maneuver their offense – Remember, when they first got Hurts, they were not a six-back team. I mean, mm -hmm. this has been an evolution of sorts, right? So they've kind of morphed themselves into this full six-back. It kind of changed last year. Remember, the Eagles were throwing the ball quite a bit. And yep. then all of a sudden, after they lost a bunch of games, they decided, oh, let's go to the six-back attack. And that's where they've kind of taken off. And so they can go back to it. I mean, they can go back to it. I mean – there's no doubt Hertz has improved his throwing. It's all play action. I mean, he didn't play well last week against Chicago, made some mistakes with the football. Uh, but th the reality of it is, is they can shift their dynamic of their team because of their, their versatility within that offense. That offensive line just isn't a run-blocking line. They can pass protect, too. Uh, you know, it's funny, Michael. We're talking about this thing. I'm not sure if anybody has this piped in or whatever, but ESPN's <laughs> Adam Schefter just tweeted moments ago that Nick Sirianni said he does not expect quarterback Jalen Hurts to play Saturday versus the Cowboys, so it will be Gardner Minshew against Dallas, and the betting market is starting to react to that news as the Eagles are back to six-point dogs. Yeah, I, I mean, I, look, one thing we know, and you listen to this pod, the betting market tells you who's playing. They adjust it, right? They mm -hmm. make the adjustment based on the quarterback, and when that line shot up to six, you knew Hurts wasn't playing. Now, there was buyback on it, not because they felt like, okay, there's a chance Hurts could play. No. No, they knew he wasn't going to play. There was some buyback because I think six is too much. I don't think Dallas is – I don't think there's a a significant – there's a significant change of offense. I think Minshew will play well against the Cowboys secondary that if you protect, you can throw the football on. I mean, they gave up 500 yards last week, right? Everybody's focused on Dak's interception, but nobody focuses on the defense not being able to get stops when they need it or stop the big play. 
And I think the Eagle offense is versatile enough to expand and change and get into a rhythm passing game that they can't really get into because of Hurts, because of his strength is the six-back offense. It's kind of an interesting way. Typically, you don't have a backup quarterback who's diametrically different than the starter, but because of the Eagles' ability and their offensive line, I think they can get away with it and their divergent thought in terms of how they want to call. Remember, they wanted to throw the ball with Hurts originally, and then they went to this. The next time we'll see Jalen Hurts, Michael, will be the playoffs, you think? I think so. I mean, if they beat Dallas, why are you playing them against New Orleans? You make a great point about having New Orleans' pick, but you could beat New Orleans with Minshew. I mean, mm-hmm. New Orleans will stub their toe. New Orleans may not have fallen out from the Cleveland game by the time they come to Philadelphia. <laughs> they, they might be like Frankie Carbone. Remember him and, and Goodfellas where he's in the meat locker yeah. all hooked up? They, that's that The Saints might be like Frankie Carbone. I mean, they're going to be like Frankie Park. There's, there's cold, right, Femi? Mm-hmm. Then the Italian culture, there's cold, and then there's Frankie Carbone cold. That's what the Saints are going to be, Frankie Carbone cold. Uh, one of many games in the Midwest that is going to be some frigid temperatures, and we hope everybody, all of our listeners and viewers from out in that area, stay warm, stay safe, because uh, it sounds like it's some negative wind chills and it's a lot of gusts and all that stuff, so it's going to be cold temperatures. We'll get into those games a little bit later on in the podcast. So Minshew will be starting for Jalen Hurts on Saturday. We also have some other quarterback changes. The Indianapolis Colts announced earlier this week that Matt Ryan will go back to the bench. So the second time this season, Matt Ryan has been benched, but it's not going to be for Sam Ellinger. Nick Foles, former Super Bowl MVP quarterback, Nick Foles, will start Monday night. Got the statue here in Philadelphia. Philly Philly, man. He's a legend, according to Eagles fans. He will be the starter Monday night against the Los Angeles Chargers when they host them. And right now over at DraftKings, that's a five-point line. We'll get more into that game on Monday's episode of the podcast. But just Foles going to the starting position here for the final few games. What do you make of this? Because we haven't seen him in a while, it feels like. No, and you know, with Foles, you have to be an RPO guy. Remember, the, the the interesting thing about this Foles move is when the Eagles went from went from Wentz to Foles, they 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 lost a game, I think, to Oakland at the time. It was still the Oakland Raiders in Philly, or they won. It was a close. I, I forget, but Foles, they didn't play well, right? And they were trying to run their offense that they were running with Wentz. And eventually, they they just basically they went back to an RPO game, which is what Foles really runs the best. The RPO, even though he's not a runner, he needs that RPO action, that fake. So the the, the Colts have to go back to that. And look, I thought that Ryan did some things that typically a veteran quarterback can't. I mean, that fumble he had on in Minnesota where he just threw the ball out there like it was a pass when it was clearly a fumble. He didn't have control of the ball. That might be one of the dumbest plays you're ever going to see. I mean, I feel bad for Matt Ryan. His career at the end is going just through the tubes. You mm-hmm. know, he's got money guaranteed next year, so I'm sure he's going to want to play. He's not going to retire, but, you know, at some point he's going to have to realize that there's, you know, he's he's not good enough to play or he's declined so bad he can't play. But I don't see any other reason. What I find fascinating, Femi, because of Nick Foles starting, is, is this Nick Foles will start. Minshew will start, and the great Trace McSorley from Penn State will start for the Cardinals. That will be the 59th different quarterback starting in the National Football League on Saturday and Sunday. Almost every team has gone through a back, gone to a backup quarterback. Think about that now. Some are on their third string quarterbacks. And so, why do you think that is? Do you think it's because of the 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 six back attack that we've been talking about with the running quarterbacks, or, or what do you attribute to? 
Uh, well, I think there's a little bit of that, right? I think there's a little bit of that six-back attack that goes into it, but not all teams run the six-back attack. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it is protections. Like, let's take Washington, for example. There they are on, on Sunday night. They got Thibodeau over there on their shitty left tackle, right? Do they help the left tackle? Of course not. So Thibodeau gets a strip sack, fumble, touchdown, right? Did they help the left tackle against Philadelphia? Of course not. They didn't help. So they want to get five out in the route. So he fumbles, you know, and they turn the ball over and they get eagle score. To me, it's a lack of really great protection. I think we got a lot of coaches that just draw pass plays up without the thought of how do I protect the quarterback the best? I want to get five out all the time. I mean, LaFleur does it at every playoff game. I, I mean, two years ago when, when he played Tampa, couldn't wait to get five out, even though Rodgers was getting the shit kicked out of him. You can't wait to get five out in a route. Look, you got to get five out, but you also got to protect the quarterback. You got to be able to do different protections, and the quarterbacks are getting killed. So that's why we're seeing such a dramatic turnover in starting quarterbacks. They're getting hit. They're getting hit way too much. Line play is bad. Line play is bad because of the rules. Mm-hmm. Offensive linemen need to be in it. In, after the season, they can have February off, let's say, or January off and half of February. But once February comes around, they need to be inside an indoor facility working on their fundamentals, their techniques, getting stronger, building, getting footwork, doing all those things. That's how you develop linemen. It's hard to develop linemen when you don't have any time to develop them. I think that's a cause and effect of the new CBA rules. The other effect is this 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 instance where we won't work co- coaches to and Zach Taylor, he can't, he no matter who can't block, he's getting five out. He don't care. <laughs> Burrow's just gonna have to take the hit. <laughs> Good luck, he Joe. just gotta take it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know, it's funny because 59 different starting quarterbacks, and I think the league sees those numbers as well, and they look at it and say, hey, we got to protect our guys. But they more so look at it from the roughing the passer side of things and, like, doing that stuff versus, hey, maybe let's get let these guys practice a little bit more, be a little bit more physical in training camp because you got to build up that callus. you got to build things up to be able to protect once the actual games get here. But it's fascinating to see that we're just going to kind of drift more towards, all right, probably just two-hand touch on the quarterback because we see that all these guys are getting hurt and we don't want Christmas Day to be Baker Mayfield versus a banged-up Russell Wilson. We want Matthew Stafford to be playing on Christmas Day, yeah. not Baker Mayfield. Like that, That's kind of the takeaway from the league's perspective. Well, because they don't, because the people that make the rules don't understand the game. I mean, this whole notion that, you know, that some 300-pound man has to contort his body <laughs> in midstream like it's a cartoon so he doesn't land on the quarterback. Like, how is that even possible? Like, how do you do that, right? I mean, they're trying to do it, too. Like, they know they're trying. The coaches are coaching it. But how do you do it? How do you tell? How do you contort your body? Christ, I can't contort my body when Dominic's at the house for, for a time. I, I can't contort it to get in the bed, let alone alleviate the quarterback. I mean, it's, like, unbelievable. They make these rules up that are not practical to the players, you know? And so they call these penalties, like these roughing penalties, which are ridiculous. It's not protecting the quarterback. We got 59 new starters, so, you know, it's like it's like anything. You know, it's like that old story, right? So there's a great tale of of a of of this bank in Paramount, California. Mm-hmm. And it was the most robbed bank on the FBI's list. The FBI keeps track of what banks get robbed. This bank in Paramount, California was robbed more than any bank in the country. It was always in the top ten. Never booked dip below ten. Some years it was one, some years it was four, some years it was six. Okay. So naturally the bank manager and, and and the company, what do they do? They put plexiglass in. They have a security guard sitting at the thing. You know, they have cameras all over the place. Guess what? Still robbed. Why? Because where this bank sat, it was so close to 
the freeway systems in Los Angeles. Mm. So once you robbed the bank, you were on a freeway, you could yeah. go any direction, yep. and good luck catching you on an L.A. freeway. So some young intern comes in one day and says to the bank manager, he says, hey, look, I, I don't know how we're going to stop the robberies, but I live near a police station, and they have a bunch of abandoned cars over there. You think if we ask them to put an abandoned car in front of the bank, it'll, it might help us? The bank manager says, shit, we've been trying everything else. Let's try that. So they did. They put it in. No more robberies. The bank, nobody. Because huh. the robbers saw that the car was there. They weren't going to go in. The car could chase them once they were leaving. Right? Wow. So they solved the problem through divergent thought. We don't solve the problem of the quarterback. Like, the reason they're getting hit is our offensive line sucks. And the reason we suck so bad in the offensive line is because we're not developing them. We're taking away practice time from them. So we can't develop them. We can't, can't, we can't let these coaches go in a gym and work with their footwork. I'm not saying they need to have pads on, mm-hmm. but, but offensive linemen are like golfers. they got to go practice their swing, their fundamentals, their techniques every single day. They can't miss, and that's what's happened. I think that's a really great story to tell because it just goes to show you that you can put a Band-Aid on a problem, but it's not going to be the solution. you got to go in that's there and the do some surgery. That's the league office's whole answer to everything. Yeah. They don't understand how to solve the problem. Like they have yeah. these refs calling penalties, you know, and they think that, you know, it's like one time I, you know, I said to Pereira, he called, they called a holding penalty on, a, on, a, on an offensive, a, a def, on one of our offensive linemen at the Raiders. We scored a touchdown against the Chiefs, going to win the game. Ruined our season because if we win that game, we're going to win, you know, we kind of had some momentum. Called the holding pen. Lamont Jordan went in the end zone and scored. I said, Mike, how do you call holding when the, off- when the defensive lineman is playing wrong arm technique? He says, what do you mean by wrong arm technique? I said, Mike, Jeez. he's giving himself up. He's yeah. cashing one for one. You can't call holding on a cash for one for one. You can't. But they don't know that. They don't understand. Nobody's training them on what what's the what's the fundamentals of the technique. It's like all these holding calls on the outside screens now. You know, like it's ridiculous. And every game's different. They don't know that. They don't understand what's being taught. You know. And then when the play's completely away, they're calling holding on the guy's never yeah. going to make the tackle. Yeah, that's that's the one that bugs me the most. It's it's. 30 yards away from the play, and it's like, all right, let's bring it back for a hole. It's a like, oh, yeah, Scott Novak can't. I mean, literally, Scott Novak thinks he's our Christmas gift. I mean, he thinks that we can't wait to watch him referee a game. He can't wait. He knows it. He loves it. Oh, look, America's going to watch me. Gotta, I didn't even look this week. I always look to see where he's going because I never want to give that game I, out as a recommendation. I, I hope it's not Philly and Dallas. I knew Carolina was in trouble last <laughs> week. I knew Carol, when Carolina had him, I told Maddie, I said, Maddie, it's going to be hard for you. It's going to be a hard one. Yeah, hopefully he's not on uh, Eagles-Cowboys coming up on Saturday. Well, I'm uh, going to find out here. I'll find out yeah. at the break. When we go yeah. to break, I will find out yeah. where my man is. Because God knows he's giving out gifts on Christmas Day. There's no <laughs> doubt. He's the true Santa. He can tilt the field. Please do find that information out. We'll discuss it later. Now, um, Shane, Sh- Sh- Sean Hockley, yes. he's, no, he's no walk in the park either. Now, he, he can't wait to... Huh? He ruined my Thanksgiving last year. He was on the Raiders Cowboys game when he had, I think, thirty penalties combined between the uh, two. He can't teams. wait. He wants to pick up where Daddy left off. Like <laughs> the apple don't far far from the tree on that one. Now, I mean, yeah, he's a superstar. seriously, he's a superstar. In his yeah, own right. su- you know. Oh yeah, I you know I'm gonna call this. Everyone it's their crew. You know, it's it, it's to me, it's so bad. The guy he was he he had me drowning in bourbon last Thanksgiving because of him. That's nothing wrong with drowning in bourbon. I hope to drown in bourbon with my man Bill. I hope to a little Sinatra select. There's nothing there wrong with go. that. There you go. Um, some interesting news though that we got from just the NFL perspective earlier this morning. The NFL, Michael, announced a multi-year agreement with Google granting YouTube TV and YouTube Prime channels the rights to exclusively distribute 
NFL Sunday ticket to consumers in the United States starting in the 2023 season, man. We got to over the offseason, we're going to have to switch all our uh, our packages over to YouTube TV. I'm not sure if you already have it, but it's great news for us over here at Vison. We're already on YouTube TV, so more of these I sports viewing people coming to consume us is is great I, for the business. I, 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 I love it. I I mean, I think it's great. You know, people are complaining the NFL had a chance to take less money, right? It, Apple was offering less money to reduce the cost. Okay, great. I mean, you know, I, I get that. Go tell the players that they took less money. Everybody blames the owners for taking less money, right? The mm-hmm. players get this check too now. You know, go tell the NFL. Go tell the go tell uh, the players association. We took less money. We thought you would be like to be a little generous, so we decided not to take the money. Like, like they're all in it together. They're partners. Like, it isn't just the owners who are making money on this. The players are making money on this deal too. Yeah, it's it's gonna be a lot of fun there, and it's and it's be more accessible. You don't have to get the satellite dishes and all that stuff to get the NFL Sunday ticket. It'll be more accessible. More people can see our game, get interested in the content like our show where we talk about the NFL year round. So uh, I think it's great news for all involved. Um, before we end this first segment here, though, Michael, some sad news to share along. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it was earlier this week we found out that the Pro Football Hall of Fame running back of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Franco Harris, passed away at the age of seventy-two. And just such, such unfortunate timing whenever somebody passes away. But everything being planned this weekend, the 50th year anniversary of the Immaculate Reception is coming up tomorrow on Friday. They were going to honor and retire his jersey at the Pittsburgh home game against the Raiders upcoming on Saturday night. Just very unfortunate. And a player that is so synonymous with one play, but he had a great career outside of that one individual moment that kind of stands above the rest. Yeah, you know, and, and, and he was on Mad Dog Russo a half hour the day before. It's just, wow. you know, at 72, it's just too young. And what great memories. I mean, being from here, you know, he's from Jersey here. Mm-hmm. And so he's very popular. Penn State hero, Jersey hero. He he owned a, a – at one time, I think he owned a bunch of Wendy's in the area. That was a big thing if you went to a, a Franco Harris Wendy's that he owned. So – yeah, I mean it's way too young, and you know he was, and he played at a time where you know the fullback was kind of important in football, right? Mm-hmm. We don't have that anymore. There were two back offenses were were in vogue, you know, and so now we we don't have that, and so it's kind of a lost art. And it truly, everybody who's ever met him said he was a wonderful man, and I think that uh, you know I, I, it's just sad to me, as Al Davis would often say when he learned about somebody. From in his contemporary group, he'd say, I have no more tears, and it's true. Yeah, I think that's kind of what I learned because he played well before my time. He finished up his career in my old neck of the woods in Seattle with the Seahawks in 1984. But I've obviously seen NFL film stuff of those Steelers 70s teams, and his name obviously comes up whenever they document those teams. I think it's going to be really cool. The NFL Network, a football life, they're going to premiere the Franco Harris episode tomorrow night. Uh, that was always planned, so that's just kind of unfortunate that – this it's big so, celebration so had, was all planned. Yeah, very strange that it happened uh, at this time with the timing of it. But uh, I think a lot of the tributes that I read yesterday, a lot of people said that he was always a happy-go-lucky guy, always had a smile on his face. I listened to Terry Bradshaw on Good Morning Football yesterday morning. He was talking about it and just a big loss in the football community and just uh, yeah, for his our, friends our and family and as a prayers. whole. Yes, our, our thoughts and prayers go out to his family and all that who knew him uh, well and stuff. But, uh, yeah, Franco Harris unfortunately passes away at the age of of 72. Uh, We're going to take our first break here on the GM Shop. We'll be right back to talk some more here on the pod. 
The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in Instantly, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, Michael, let's get to Thursday Night Football, Amazon Prime, a big game this evening. I'm not sure when the schedule makers put the whole schedule together, they knew that this would be an important game, but it is. Jacksonville going to the Meadowlands to face the New York Jets right now at our show sponsor, DraftKings. The Jets, two-and-a-half-point favorites. The total is down to 37. Now, it's not expected Mm. to be bone-chilling cold like it is in the Midwest, maybe a little bit of rain in the forecast, but uh, what do you make of this game here? Zach Wilson once again starting for Gang Green. One versus two, you know, I, I think this is going to be a fascinating game because the one thing that, you know, Jacksonville's been able to win games, their defense hasn't played as well. Their defense didn't play well last week. They got a couple turnovers, one an unforced error by Dallas. The other one, C.D. Lamb kind of had the ball come up. But I, I think to me, when you watch the Jets game against Detroit, if they can't run the ball, if they have to rely on Zach to make consistent plays, one after the other after the other, it's going to be challenging for them. Now, they get back Corey Davis, who I think they really need. Uh, Denzel Mims had a concussion. I doubt if he'll play. Mm-hmm. So they'll get that back. Now, Trayvon Walker, the first round, first overall pick, he's probably not going to play in the game. And then Cam Robinson, the left tackle yeah. for Jacksonville, is not going to play, which really will benefit the Jets. I think the other key is can, can Quentin Williams play? I think that makes a big difference because Detroit actually ran the ball effectively against the Jets. So. Mm-hmm. Look, this is a game I think the Jets have to pressure Lawrence, speed him up, make him play a little bit outside his comfort zone. And, you know, and then they've got to be able to tackle really well in space and not give up the not give up the big play like they did against I mean, they held Detroit to 20 points, which is really a hell of a defensive effort. Yeah. They played great in the red zone against Detroit. Detroit's the number one red zone team in all of football. You know, so that was a really good. I mean, I have the Jets should be the favorite in this game by mm-hmm. slightly two by two points. I like the Jets tonight. I think the under, it, it seems a little low, but I think both teams, knowing that how, to me, the Jets have to play conservatively. Jacksonville rarely plays conservative. I mean, I keep saying they should run the ball more, but they keep putting the ball in Lawrence's hands 40 times. Now, they run a lot of bubbles and all that, so it'll be fun to watch these two quarterbacks. I mean, there's a huge difference between the first overall pick and the second overall pick in terms of their development from last year to this year. Yeah, I think that's going to be an interesting storyline for this game. I agree with you, though. The Jets, I believe, should be favored two, two and a half, I thought was the fair number in this game. It sounds like Quinn and Williams will be back tonight. 
the Jags, though, on that offensive line, you mentioned Cam Robinson. He's done for the rest of the season. I believe their right tackle, Jawan Taylor, he's also questionable. So you might be talking about a Jags offensive line that's down their two starting tackles. That could be very problematic against a pretty good New York Jets yeah. front there. And I think the Jets corners, too, can also kind of man up those Jags receivers. It's going to be a hard game for Jacksonville to score, I think. Yeah, I, I think – I mean, look, Jacksonville has – they've got some skill players, and they'll find a way to make it – you know, make it work. I mean, whether it's Zay Jones, whether it's Kristen Kirk, and really they use Evan Ingram like a receiver. He's not a tight end. I mean, he's a receiver. So, you know, I, I think that'll be interesting how that works out. And look, if they get white back, I mean, now uh, uh, Zonovan Knight is questionable with an ankle as well. So whether he goes, will they play James Robinson because they traded for him and they've been inactivating him the last couple of weeks. So they need to run the ball. They need to be able to run the ball on Jacksonville. They can't let Wilson throw this thing 30, 35 times. If he does, he's going to turn it over. I mean, he had a bad turnover last week, mm-hmm. you know, which led to ultimately the game-winning points, which was the field goal. And then, and then you know, he tried to throw another one that kind of went up in the air and, and the Jets end up catching it. It was kind of fortunate. So – but I like the Jets in this game. I, I'm not sold on Jacksonville defensively. I'm really not. I think if the Jets can't move the ball or run the ball on Jacksonville, they've got bigger problems. If the Jets win this game, and let's say Zach Wilson plays similar to what he played like last Sunday against the Lions, do you think Zach Wilson is the starter going forward? You know, I, I would say if they win this game and he doesn't do anything to screw it up, I think they have to keep him in the starting job. But I, if I'm if I am Joe Douglas, I don't know if I commit all the way to Zach Wilson. I think they'll have enough cap room Mm -hmm. that I think you almost have to try to see if you could sign Mike White back, if that's who you want. But you're going to have to sign a really good backup to protect yourself. I think you're in protective mode if you're at the Jets. I don't think you're in he's our guy mode, right? I think you're in protective mode. So we got to make sure we got a really good backup. But it's not Flacco. You know, and if it's can we get white? It's a little bit like Taylor Heineke down in Washington. Yeah. I mean, they brought him back knowing they were going to go get a guy. Now they came back to Heineke, which I don't think is going to be the long term answer. But I think that's ultimately what you have to do. I think you have to go protect. You have to be in protective mode because if you can fix this offense, mm-hmm. it starts with the line. But if you could fix Wilson, you got a defense that's ready to compete. I mean, you've won seven games, albeit you know, look. You know, the one win against Cleveland was kind of a miraculous comeback. The one win against Pittsburgh was a fourth-quarter win that Wilson helped deliver. So, you know, the margin of error is so tight. So you've got to figure out a way to get this back. And if they get Hall back and they protect themselves at quarterback, they got a chance. Do they maybe sign Jimmy Garoppolo in the offseason? Because he has familiarity with that system. I I don't – I mean, I think Garoppolo is going to get paid on a level to where it's not – it's not a an elite starter. It's not over twenty million. It's kind of going to be like I think we're Daniel Jones. I mean, Daniel Jones is going to get paid like a you know so, let's say somewhere between eighteen and twenty two million a year. Let's say okay, mm-hmm. you know, and and that's probably the right number for him. Now, if he gets higher than that, you got to let somebody else have him because you're managing Daniel Jones. I think it's the same thing with Garoppolo. Can the Jets afford to put that much money into a backup, knowing they still have Wilson? I don't think they can. I think they have to go down that you know that that bargain line, that bargain basement shopper. They got to go to Feline's basement over there and see if they can get somebody. And it could be white because white's not going to command that kind of, there's not enough information on white. Yeah. 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 They could be back to square one with Mike white and Zach Wilson and, Maybe just let those guys compete in training camp uh, if this thing it, goes it's off. It's probably going to be the biggest decision that Douglas and Salai have to make this offseason. It's going to be because if they if they if they don't protect themselves and Wilson's a disaster 
and they're in this situation where they're playing guys that can't play a backup quarterback like Flacco, their season's going to go down the tubes no matter how good they are on defense. I mean, as good as San Francisco was on defense, when, when Garoppolo doesn't play for Kyle, look at his one-loss record. And that's, that decision starts tonight for this Jets organization as they host the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think it's going to be a really fascinating game, one that I'm very much looking forward to watching. All right, Michael, let's take a break. On the other side, the Pro Bowl rosters are out, oh, and there's, there, there's an, oh, there's an omission. There's an omission there, with tears. the AFC quarterback. You are in tears. <laughs> I, I, oh, not, unlike Al Davis, you have plenty of tears. There's a glaring omission with the AFC quarterbacks. We'll discuss it next here on the GM Shuffle. <laughs> All right, Michael, last night we saw the AFC and NFC Pro Bowl rosters revealed. After all the fan voting, the player and coaches voting, we now know who the 2022 Pro Bowlers are. Now, remember, there's no more Pro Bowl football game. It's the Pro Bowl games. I think it's like a flag football competition. I don't know what the hell they're doing. But it's going to be here in Las Vegas coming up in in late January. uh but I, I'm disappointed, you know. I mean, if it's in your guy didn't make it, I, I thought mean, you two would get together for lunch and dinner there. We, we, we were going to get a reservation at Carbone. We were going to get, you know, we're going to get all sorts of stuff going. But unfortunately, despite getting the fan voting, he was the number one vote getter for the fans. Tua Tagovailoa, which we've <laughs> seen, we st- have pictures of you <laughs> stuffing that thing like. Like I was like like I stuffed tasty cakes down my throat. Yeah, we saw that. Yeah. Despite getting that voting, I don't know if there's like a hanging Chad situation with the player and coaches ballots or what happened, but Tua did not make the Pro Bowl team. The AFC quarterbacks, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, the starting quarterback for the AFC. So we gotta do a recount here. This is it's like two thousand all over again, Michael. <laughs> What's going on here? I mean, look, I you know, I I mean, I know you did as much as you could do to put that thing in there. I know you did. You know, I I know you did. I know you were concerned about that. You know, I know you wanted to make sure that that was uh, that 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 he kind of got it in there. You know, (laughs) it's like a guy. He was playing well this season. He's playing like a pro bowler. Uh, He didn't make it. But what do you make, though, of? The difference, and there's some other guys that we saw some discrepancies with the fan voting and the player and coaches voting. The difference in the voting, because obviously the fans, and that's a little bit more subjective, fans are going to vote for the guys who they want to see in there, their favorite players or whatever, and I'm sure there was a big push for Dolphins fans to get Tua into the Pro Bowl. But then once the players and coaches got involved, it heavily (laughs) tipped the scale in the other direction, and it was the three guys that we think about when we talk about the AFC. Yeah, I mean, I think to me, like, for example, I, I think ultimately everybody's complaining McCaffrey didn't make it in mm-hmm. there. You know, Miles Sanders is. Would you have put Sanders over McCaffrey? I mean, McCaffrey's kind of like a jack-of-all-trades. You know, he does so many things, right? Like, I, I, I mean, if we were to pick for fantasy, you certainly are taking McCaffrey over Miles. But Sanders played – I mean, Sanders was really a huge part of their offense and their ability to run the ball as Barkley was. So – you know, I, I, I don't really feel like, you know, when you look at some of the snubs, I didn't feel like that. I, I felt like, in fairness, I, I thought Jared Goff got snubbed. I, I think mm. when you break – I don't think Kirk Cousins played as well this year numerically as he did last year, mm-hmm. you know. Now, I know they won a lot of games, but I, I, I would say Cousins uh, – excuse me, I, I would say Goff was slight – to me, I have Goff ahead of, of Cousins this season. Like, I think I had Cousins in my red chip, as you know. We did that. Mm-hmm. But I think there's some moments where I don't think Cousins played has played as well as he did last year, yards per attempt down the field. Now, they've done, I'm, not, I'm not saying he's not playing good. I just think Goff has played better over the last eight weeks than, than Cousins has. 
Yeah, I think that's really fascinating from the McCaffrey standpoint that he was the leading vote getter for the fan vote for NFC running backs, but then the players and coaches did not put him in, similar to Tua in the AFC. So I so don't know if it's – get that Tua snub in there. Yeah, you got to get that in there. I mean, I was just saying, my guy, I was saying he, he was the leading vote getter of all players in the, in the entire league for the Pro Bowl, but then didn't make it. But on the McCaffrey note, I, I wonder if it's – I don't know if it's necessarily out of sight, out of mind. He's, he gets traded from Carolina to San Francisco. Maybe that factors into how the players and coaches thought about him. It, it's kind of a weird deal because he is probably one of the most versatile West weapons in the NFL and he's had a terrific season when you look at the all-purpose yards he's leading all of the guys who are the Pro Bowl running backs in the NFC whether it's Saquon Barkley Miles Sanders or Tony Pollard so it just it's kind of surprising that he got left off by the players and coaches but maybe they thought he wasn't deserving or at least wasn't more deserving uh than the other three guys who ended up making it but I think from some quick fact notes though the Philadelphia Eagles Michael ended up having the most Pro Bowlers with eight And this well, that, goes I mean, back that, to what we talked about. This all always this is a, the case. It always is roster. the case with the with the best team. The team that wins the most has the best ha, has the most players, right? Mm-hmm. So you're going. You know that's what's going to be the case. And 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 I, and I couldn't say that any of those guys that got voted in there didn't deserve it. And frankly, you know when you look at the defensive tackle situation, I mean Hassan Riddick got it at defensive end. I don't know if Zadarius Smith from Minnesota played consistently enough as a, 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 as an outside rusher. I mean, they've lacked some rushing. Mm-hmm. But I think when you look at Tony Hargrave, what he's done for Philly's interior defense, to me, for him being snubbed, I think Dexter Lawrence has played really well. Yep. I mean, Donald, obviously, when he's healthy, he is. Jonathan Allen's a really good player. But to me, I felt like that that was one of those where, you know, how do you leave Har- Hargrave? is one of the Eagles' best defensive players. To leave him off the Mm -hmm. list is kind of surprising to me. Yeah, I'm surprised that Donald made it, given that he's been injured the past few weeks. I mean, who knows? He's probably not going to play in the whatever. Oh, well, I mean, none of them are going to play. They're yeah. all going to go stand there and, and you know, going to hang around, and you and you and, and you and two are going to go to Carbone. <laughs> I'm sure they'll be playing maybe on the blackjack tables on the strip, but sure uh, yeah, they will. Yeah, I don't think they're going to be. I mean, interested. I, I I think some guys get there on on or like I don't think Brian Burns. I think Brian Burns is a really good player, mm-hmm. but I don't know if he's a true pro bowler based on the last I mean last week against Pittsburgh he didn't sh- he wasn't there yeah, he's like a ghost. when you and when you look at Carolina's third down defense and and their ability def- sack per play you know when you look at that those numbers I'm going to give them to you right here when you look at those numbers and you see Carolina you know they're they're 28th in third down they're 26th in sack per play now, I mean, I know it's more than just one guy, but I think I think Burns is a really good player. I think he's a really good player. But I think he needs some help. I think the fact that there's nobody on the other side hurts him and why those numbers are really kind of are not as good for Carolina. There were two teams with seven Pro Bowlers, the Dallas Cowboys and the Kansas City Chiefs, two very popular teams once again. Ravens 49ers had six Pro Bowlers. The Vikings had five players made it. But there were also two teams, Michael, with no Pro Bowl selections. That was the Jacksonville Jaguars and then the Chicago Bears. So uh, the, the Fields campaign apparently did not uh, I mean, d- didn't the resonate. Ravens had, the Ravens had two special teamers, the Devernay as a returner and Tucker as the kicker, which you can't argue with that, right? Yeah. You know, I'm, I mean, you can't argue with any of that as you look at it for, you know, and I think Rokon Smith certainly deserves it. I think there's no doubt about that. You know, so when you, you know, you go through those guys and I, I think, you know, I'm trying to think who else they had on their team because 
you know, when you got six pro bowlers, you're like thinking, oh, they had the fullback. There's four. So mm-hmm. they kind of – and then Andrews, I don't think you could argue with him as a pro bowler, right? I don't think has you can he, argue with that has one. Has he been that great this year? I feel like he's dropped I – don't, I don't know if maybe their offense has just dropped off as a whole, but yeah. it feels like he hasn't had as great a year as he's had in the past. No, I, I would agree with that. I think you could say that this – but a lot of that is their offense, which is mm-hmm. – you know, I've been bitching about it for how long now? It's bad. So, you know, I mean, it's just bad. But he's still a good – I mean, he's a talented guy. Mm-hmm. You know, what other tight end in the AFC would you have put in over him? I mean, obviously, Kelsey is is the elite player of the group. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, I mean, Ojobi got hurt in, in Cleveland, you know, so I think that's kind of a hard thing. Yeah, it's uh, I think for the most part, the fans, players, coaches collectively get it right. There's just a couple of guys that are in there that are uh, uh, maybe should be or maybe not be there. Who knows? I mean, I, I think typically I don't really I mean, care like about TJ, the I yeah. didn't think T.J. Watt was a pro bowler this year. I think he's yeah. playing hurt. Yeah, he, and he didn't. I think he's he playing hurt. Games. I mean, I don't think Derwin James is a pro bowler this year. You know, I mean, he's missed some time, but there's names that are just going to get on the list no matter what, yeah, you reputation. know, and reputation, you know, I think to me, but, the, and I'm sure the coaches kind of separated some of that, but I, I don't see that like Trey Hendrickson, you know, he's hurt. I, I mean, one of the things Cincinnati hasn't been able to do this year is really generate the pass rush that they had a year ago. Mm-hmm. Watt is definitely a reputation vote because I mean how many games did he miss this year like six missed like six or seven and I mean yeah. like you know and Almost so like, how do you get him in there you know like it it, 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 it is but he's still a good player oh, but he's, he's playing awesome. hurt he's not the same player yeah N- neither is you know and neither is what that goes to your point about Mark Andrews I don't think Andrews is having his be- how about Laramie Tunsil you think that offensive line in Houston's having a great year <laughs> I don't think they are I don't think anything's having a great year in Houston Although Jalen Petrie, the rookie safety, he's actually been a heck of a player. I've liked, I've liked watching yeah, him I mean, in the games you know, that I've seen. Yeah, they have. They have. I mean, he has to make a lot of tackles because the ball's coming to him. I mean, <laughs> let's face it. He's he's the last line of defense that at Houston, and that you got to have that line. <laughs> yeah, there would be a lot of touchdowns on the board. All right, let's take our final break. We'll get to Saturday and Sunday slate on the other side. It's the GM Shuffle. All right, Michael, it's going to be a fun holiday weekend here, man. Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. We get a lot of games on Saturday. Then we get three of them on Sunday. But let's start with Saturday, especially these cold weather games in the yeah. Midwest. What are they calling it? They're calling it the the, the snow. What is the it's storm? It's like a th- like thunder the, snow or whatever it's called. Thunder, thunder cold or something. It, yeah, it, where it's it, coming across the country from, from Russia. Yeah. You know, when I was in Cleveland, I always would keep, um, you know how you have different cities on your weather phone? Mm-hmm. I always kept Minsk on my weather phone because I wanted to compare living in Minsk to living in Cleveland just to compare it, you know, and it was yeah. kind of similar, actually. You know, so I felt like I was living in Minsk. You know, it's dark, it's cold. Mm-hmm. But this is going to be really, to me, this is really about, forget the cold. It, yeah. The wind is going to make, this is going to be, I said this to you, this is going to make every analytical person who hates punting, Will Hill, all of them, all these people that hate punting, shout out and to going Will for Hill. it on fourth down. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be this is going to be their finest hour. This is going to be their finest hour because, in all honesty, would you ever attempt an extra point in 60, 40 mile an hour wind? Of course you won't. Hell no. How about how about punting into a forty mile an hour wind when the ball's going to you're going to end up with no field position? Like it's four downs are going to be in play and. Two-point plays are going to be in play here. You better make sure you got a lot of fourth-down calls and a lot of two-point plays if you're getting ready to play these games. 
Yeah, the, the temperature, it's supposed to be 11 degrees, real feel of below 21, but the wind that Michael is talking about in Cleveland in particular, 36-mile-per-hour wind, gusts up to 63 miles per hour, and it's going to be cloudy and a little bit of a snow shower during the game here. I think it's one of those games to where the total is so low in this Saints-Browns game. It's low at 32. I don't think we've seen an NFL game that low of a total all season long. The points are going to be valuable, even though I don't really oh, love no, the Saints. But taking that plus three, how often does this game land on one and two, given the lack of extra points and the conventional scoring methods that we'll see? Great point. I mean, that's a great point. I mean, look, you know, you just you can't predict this. I mean, you know, you can't assume that you're going to make a 35 yard field goal. You can't assume it like it's every point, every first down, every chance you get you get seven points. I mean, let's say 32. So to me, when I don't play, I don't recommend unders or overs. I'm mm-hmm. not good at that at all. Not that I'm I'm saying I'm great at anything else. But, I mean, like 32 is, what are we talking about? A, a, a 17-14 game? That's an under. Yeah. I, I mean, get the, I think the first one to 17 in Cleveland wins, don't you? 100%. I don't think we see either team hit 20. Unless it's ripping off long runs. But Unless even then, a fumble comes out and a guy just picks it up and runs with it, which can happen. I mean, it could happen. But the probability, I mean, holding on to that frozen Frankie Carbone football, I mean, this is going to be a hard, hard game. I mean, like I said, these are these are not cold games. These are Carbone cold games. I mean, and so we'll get that meat. Remember, he was hanging in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're going to get that. I mean, they should probably have, you know, Frank, uh, what the hell is his name? The guy that played the character. Uh, you know, they should have him do the coin toss in all these goddamn games because, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's so cold. And and I think you got to prepare your team and prepare your betting to this. You know, if I were the Saints, I would I would play Taysom Hill the whole game. I would run the I would run the I would run the veer. I would run the six back. I would run everything I would do would be run. Yeah, I, I think that's what the situation is going to be. And also, uh, Frank Severo. I mean, these are going to be Army Who's, Navy games, is essentially. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Frank Severo played uh, Frankie Carbone. Frank Severo, yeah. We got that that on lock. Um, Yeah, I think this, I mean, last week's game between Baltimore and Cleveland was 13 to 3, and it wasn't even this bad of temperature. So I think that this is going to be one of those. That's what I'm saying. It's it's going to stay, keep getting worse. Yeah. yeah, Somewhere around there. Uh, The cold is also in Chicago, Michael, where the Buffalo Bills will be taking on the Bears. 12 degrees, real feel of 13 below, 20 mile per hour winds off of Lake Michigan, gusts up to 37 miles per hour there so this will be some drifting snow in fact the weather's so bad that the buffalo bills are traveling today they're not even waiting for friday they're going to travel today to chicago to make sure that they can get there and have no complications smart with the tra- travel complications being a little bit uh tricky with this weather situation yeah i mean and both teams will run the six back attack so you know both teams quarterbacks are going to play you know and we saw last week both teams were in the six back attack now you know, that offensive line for New Orleans, I mean, they put Leatherwood at right tackle. They had a bench and they had to take him out of the game. It was so bad. I mean, Hassan Riddick made the Pro Bowls. You know, he ran by Leatherwood like it was like they, they could have put a Coke machine over there. It would have been better. So, you know, Buffalo's going to, you know, they're going to have to play a different front than they did against the Bears, excuse me, against the Bill, uh, the Dolphins, because mm-hmm. this is not going to be a passing game. But you need speed on the field to handle fields because he's going to run it, you know, and you got to, both teams have to stop the run. Now, both quarterbacks can throw it, but even when the wind, when you're throwing into the wind and you're throwing with the wind, it's hard. If you're throwing into the wind, your defensive backs don't have to play as deep as they have to because the ball will hold up, right? You can make a play on the ball. And so, you know, and if you're throwing with the wind, it's hard to judge it. You overthrow it, that thing takes off. 
So you got to be really smart about your players have to be really smart about judging the win as the game goes along and then adapt your defense and offense to the wind. It, it, it's tricky. I'm with you. I think the points are at a premium. If you're getting yeah. nine, I think this line's down to eight. Yeah, if you're down. getting that many points, I think you almost have to take it. It's hard to give away points in these cold games. And I think that's what we're seeing from the betting market. Like, this is down to eight. It was nine, even a touch nine and a half at some point earlier this week. But with the total continuing to tip down, the points are also ticking down as well, just because it's going to be hard for any team to build some sort of a margin with the conditions being what they are. Big game for the New England Patriots this week. We'll see if they can bounce back, get off of the mat after the disaster here in Las Vegas a week ago. They're hosting the Cincinnati Bengals, who are red hot. Cincy right now at DraftKings, three-point favorites, total 41.5. This one won't be as cold, but the wind will be a factor. 17-mile-per-hour wind with gusts up to 37 miles per hour out there in Foxborough. I mean, what have the Bengals done to the bookmakers to cause them to get no respect? <laughs> I mean, they get no it, respect out there. I mean, they don't? it's kind of remarkable. I, I, Well, I thought this game should have been, they should have been favored by more, but the betting public's all over New England in this game. I mean, people are betting New England in this game. I mean, that line shift, that line was three and a half, almost four, and now it's down to three in most mm-hmm. places. And, and I think it'll t- it could easily tick down. I mean, New England's getting a lot of play. I mean, they have 21% of the tickets in there and 53% of the money. So there's a lot of people playing New England, which, you know, look, it, it'll be a cold game, short field, low scoring, that kind of favors. Can they run the ball? You know, it favors New England. That's what they have to do. they got to run the ball, play good defense, adjust their defense to the weather, which they can do. You know, I, I could see it. To me, it, to me, I don't think I'd, I, I – I, on paper, yeah, it's easy to say since he should win. A lot of people are going to fall for that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can do that because the weather's going to equalize some of this game. It was one that I stared at long and hard when it was three and a half. I ended up not betting the game because I just couldn't do it. Because I've been fading Cincinnati the past couple of weeks, and they've gotten the better of me. I, I took the. I haven't. I've been I, playing them. I, you I, and I, I are opposite. Yeah, Your eyes I, are so much on Tua. Like I don't know how you could fade Cincy. Like they're good. Like they're really good. They're numbers. They're really good. I mean, they're they're in the top. They're in the top <clears> of my nineteen categories. They're in the top twelve and fourteen of them. I yeah. mean, they are significantly good. Right, and New England's in the top in the top twelve of eight of them. Now, New England has five liabilities in terms of my rank, power rankings, whereas whereas Cincinnati is only one. I mean, Cincinnati's power numbers are good. It's hard not to like mm-hmm. them. I mean, they play well. They're running the ball better. Their offensive line has improved. Their left tackle Jonah Williams. If you watch him, he's he's in, he's illegally uh, he beats the snap count almost every single play. Like <laughs> I don't know how they guys? call him. Oh my God, it's so bad. <laughs> It's like Chris Jones is offsides every play. Yeah, like you watch the Chief tape. Chris Jones is literally almost offsides every play. You know who the master at it is for the offensive tackles? Trent Williams. If you just watch Trent Williams, that he's flinching before every single snap. It's unbelievable. He gets a big and they get away with it. Like I think uh, they're gonna throw a flag here. They don't. Nope, they don't. Like, like Trent they Williams don't. has been doing it for a long time. For the viewers and listeners. Watch Commanders 49ers this Saturday and just watch Trent Williams for like three or four series and count how many times he legitimately false starts and how many times they actually call it. It'll be zero that they call, and it'll be about six or seven that he actually false starts. It's, it's really remarkable stuff there. But yeah, no bet for me. I think Cincinnati wins the game, but um, I get where the, the, the sharp betters are coming from getting those points there with New England because the Patriots have one of the best home fields in the NFL, and it's a desperation kind of situation for them in this spot. Well, I think race. it's more desperate. They haven't played good at home, though, Fem, this year. They haven't. 
I mean, they haven't played good. They lose to Chicago at home, right? Yeah. They beat the Jets at home, you know? I mean, and so before they went on that road trip, they lost to somebody else at home. I mean, they haven't been a great home team. They lost to Buffalo, Buffalo. at home. That's who they yeah. lost to, you know? So they lost to Baltimore yeah. at home this year. So, you know, I mean, that's too many losses at home for them. But, you know, their backs are up against the wall. So I think it's more of a Custer last stand game, really, for, for New England. Yeah, could be the last stand for those guys out there in Foxborough. The Kansas City Chiefs, an old school AFC West rivalry. This was the AFC yeah. West that I grew up in, man. Seahawks Dave Craig? taking on the Chiefs. Yeah, where's Dave Craig? Call John Kitna. Um, the Chiefs are 10-point favorites over at DraftKings. Total sitting at 49. This will be 12 degrees. Real feel this, Now, this line below. moved up. This line went up. It did go up, which is surprising given the temperatures of this game and kind of how this game is probably going to have to be played. They say the wind is 14 miles per hour, gusts up to 30 miles per hour out there at Arrowhead Stadium. Well, I mean, look, I watched that Houston. Uh, I watched the Houston Kansas City game, and the fact that game went to overtime was startling. I mean, a, a lot of it had to do with personal. You know, they had a lot of penalties called that got them first downs. The Houston mm-hmm. offense, if they don't have those, it's a challenge. Some of them were justifiable. I'm not suggesting that, but the it wasn't. I mean, they moved the ball. I mean, this this whole thing about Mahomes, and we'll talk about next week. Mahomes played really well in that game. I mean, he's moving, throwing to different receivers. The offense is in rhythm. They've turned the ball over too much in terms of fumbles, but I don't see how Seattle keeps it close. I really don't. And I think the I think the Chiefs will move the ball effectively even in the win. Now, the one thing I will say, if you like Seattle, the one the the kind of game that gives the Chiefs defense a lot of trouble is when you're really good on the outside. I don't know mm-hmm. if Taylor Lockett's gonna Tyler Lockett's gonna play. He, but he's not playing, with, he's out. With Metcalf and the receivers, you know, that they have, especially Godwin who's fast as hell, these yep. chief corners get taxed. And if you can win a one-on-one and you and you can throw the ball outside like the Chargers typically do or the Raiders do, you got a chance to you got a chance to move the ball on them and keep this game close. Yeah, I think the back door is going to be open to this game. It could be a 17-point game or, or a 14-point game late, and then Geno Smith just comes right through the back door, similar to what Fields did to the Eagles, and that's maybe how Seattle covers this spread here. If Kenneth Walker were healthy – I could see maybe Seattle sticking into this game using that ground game because I think the Chiefs are still a little susceptible to the run. But uh, his situation with his ankle, it sounds like he's 50-50 at best, according to Pete Carroll. I wouldn't get involved with this one here. I, I get why Kansas City is a 10-point favorite, and that's just a pass, and I'll go ahead and watch that game and see if my man Tariq Woolen can get another interception. Uh, the Raiders, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hope he does. The, the Raiders will be in the Steel City. We talked about it, the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. will be an emotional night out there at Heinz Field, they're hosting the Raiders. The Pittsburgh Steelers are 8 degrees, real feel, 14 below, 16-mile-per-hour winds, gusts up to 32 miles per hour. But the Raiders are getting bet here, Michael. Right now, the Steelers, 2.5-point favorites total, 38.5. Yeah, and we get Kenny Pickett back in, in, mm-hmm. in, in, in under center. Look, I thought the Steelers were great last week. I thought they dominated the line of scrimmage. Their offensive line played as well as I've seen it play. Trubisky was had wide-open receivers. Uh, I'm surprised that people aren't betting Pittsburgh more, especially at home. I mean, it's going to be hard for the Raiders to run the ball against them because uh, it was hard for it was hard for the Panthers to run the ball. I mean, they're going to have to pl- the Raiders are going to have to play their best. And you know, Pittsburgh ran the ball effectively against Carolina. I mean, Carolina has a reputation for being great defensively. Mm-hmm. I think they need a couple more players to become an upper echelon. De- they give up too many plays at times against some teams that you think like they play Tampa great off defensively. But then they didn't play Pittsburgh great, you know. So 
I think this will be a challenge for the Raiders. I really do because I think Pittsburgh's playing better. And as Pickett doesn't turn the ball over, you know they're they kind of know who they are offensively now. That's again. I took the three with the Raiders. Uh, I think this is going to be a pretty even game. The Raiders they get a lot of credit in the betting market, and that's something that I kind of have to factor into my. Well, numbers. they keep games close. They I keep, mean, let's yeah, be honest. I mean, yeah. every game's close with the Raiders. I mean, you know, like even when they lose, you know, like that's why when they were a six point favorite against the Rams, I mean. Every game's close with the Raiders. Really, other than the New Orleans games, when have they haven't been in the game? It always goes down to the wire, so I figured I'd go ahead and grab that field goal. Hopefully the ball bounces my way. You mentioned the Panthers. They're hosting the Lions. Carolina, two-and-a-half-point dogs, total 44-and-a-half. How do you see this shaking out? Well, the weather's going to be cold and windy there, too. But yep. then I look, Sean Hockley's doing the game. And I just maybe I'll tell Matthew to stay home for Christmas. I mean, this is horrible. Okay, I mean, just go I'm going to watch Sean Hockley call 20 penalties in the game. It's going to be brutal. I, I mean, you know, it's going to be just brutal. But, I mean, look, Detroit, this is going to – we're going to find out how good, if I'm right about Carolina or I'm wrong. Detroit blocked really well last week. The mm-hmm. Jets struggled to, to really to, – to get pressure on Goff, and Goff was good. They only scored 20 because the Jets were so good in the red zone. That's where the Jets kept themselves in the game. They got a benefit of a call and a holding call that I'm not sure was one, but it, they mm-hmm. called it. So whatever it is, right – and they were, and the Lions, which were the number one team in red zone offense, were 0 for 3 in the red zone. You add those four points, you add those 12 points to the score, all of a sudden it's a blowout. But that's where the Jets kept themselves in the game. And that's where Carolina's going to have to keep themselves in the game. They can't score at this level. Now, they'll, they'll move the ball on Detroit. I, don't, I think they got to let Darnold play a little bit. They got to stop mm-hmm. being so protective, and they've got to run the ball. Detroit's play, I mean, Detroit has played a lot of nickel. And since their bye week, they've kind of given up trying to be – they've tried to get faster on defense. They've played nickel, and they've played the run much better. Carolina's got to take advantage of that. We talked about a couple of weeks ago my Dan Campbell Coach of the Year bet that I placed. And oh I, need, I, I, I need the Lions to run the table, but I'm a little nervous about this game. I just got a weird feeling that they cleared the hurdle of the Vikings, they beat the Jets, and now – there's this they've weird been great game on the road, going though. to Carolina. They've been great on the they've road. They've been great on the road. This is I just mean, kind of on a weird deal, I think. Yeah, I mean, look, it's hard. I mean, they can't, you know, it's the, Carolina. Carolina's still in it. Yeah. I mean, think about that. Carolina is still in it. I mean, so, <laughs> you know, how NFC many Decembers South. in your lifetime have you seen Detroit at 500? Not many. <laughs> Not many. Like about you know three, I think. Yeah. <laughs> it's not many. Uh, the New York Giants and the Minnesota Vikings, maybe a playoff preview of Minnesota four and a half point favorites over at DraftKings, total 48 and a half. This is one, man, I, <laughs> Kevin O'Connell. It, we'll see and, if he pulls and, I mean, it off the, again. The two luckiest teams in football. I mean, these are the two <laughs> luckiest teams in football. We'll see if they you pull know? it off. I, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know what to play. I just know this. The game's going to be close, so I would say – Take the take the you know take the points mm-hmm. here. It's all going to be. I think that that Daniel Jones will be able to make plays against them, and I think it's going to come down to who plays their best red zone. So why not grab the points? Yeah, I think I think both offenses are going to be able to move the football. It's indoors, so it'll be nice conditions. One of the few games that has nice conditions out there. Texans and the Titans. This is the big game for Tennessee. They've been reeling quite a bit. They've lost four straight. Once had a stranglehold of that AFC South. Now it looks like it's slipping away. Ryan Tannehill reportedly, Michael, will be out for the rest of the season. So it's going to be Malik Willis going the rest of the way here. Titans three-point favorites, total 35 and a half. I mean, look, again, we're down to Malik Willis. I mean, this is a hard game. The last time they went down to Malik Willis was the starter. They were a three-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. 
And, you know, you had to think, okay, they're going to, they won 17 to 10, but they score that touchdown at the end of the game to make it closer than it really was. They won the game with their deep. They ran for 315 yards against Houston when they knew they had to run the ball, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, you know, this same situation, I mean, this Tennessee team, if, I mean, how are they going to get it? I hope that, I, I kind of hope for our sakes as fans, not for Tennessee fans, but because I like Vrabel and I like their I like their organization. Mm-hmm. But to me, if they get in the playoffs, we can't watch Willis. I mean, this could be horrible. <laughs> he can't throw the ball. He threw the ball ten times against Houston the last time they played. Yeah. Like, how are they going to? I mean, if they make the playoffs, they're one and done. It, you can write it down. There's no way. And, yeah. and so, like, if Jacksonville wins the South, which they could, they could mm-hmm. if they win tonight. You know, so. Yeah, I I don't see it. I mean, Tennessee does a remarkable job. Houston just doesn't do anything very well. But this is a game Houston can win. It's interesting because I almost think that the fact that this is a game that Houston can win, does that maybe make them tense up? Because the last couple of weeks they've been, oh, 17-point underdogs Lucy, to Dallas Lucy, yeah. and 14-point dogs to Kansas City. Nobody expects much now. It's a three-point spread. The expectation yeah. is that they will be competitive in this game how do they handle that? I, I, Are you betting it? I'm not betting I'm not Houston. Betting I, I don't no, trust no. them at all. I'm, 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 no, not, I'm betting. not betting either team in this game. Yeah, Are you nope, kidding me? Nope, I'm not betting that game. That's when I'll just sit back and watch. that. I, I have no read. Uh, Willis, maybe they get the run game going with Henry and all that, but I don't have a read on that game. Uh, Falcons and the Ravens. Right now, Baltimore, 7.5-point favorites, total 35.5. Another cold-weather game. It'll be Desmond Ritter's second start. Lamar Jackson, I don't believe, is going to start He's this game. He's not playing. They, the reports He's were that playing. he was going to come back Christmas Eve. He hasn't practiced all week here. It looks like it'll be Tyler Huntley. Playing. Huntley's also he's injured. not healthy. Yeah, Huntley's not healthy. You might get a, we might get, we might get a, a, a AJ Brown or, or, or Anthony, Anthony Brown. Brown. Yeah. <laughs> so look, the bank. I mean, the last they've won nine games. They're home games that they've won, right? The Bengals it was a two point game. The Browns was a three point game. They, you know, they beat the Bucks. They beat the Saints by fourteen. Beat Carolina by ten. Beat Denver by one. Beat Pittsburgh, lost to Pittsburgh by two. They play close games. Now, I'm not mm-hmm. that some of those are road games. They they play. I mean, Atlanta. For whatever you think of Atlanta, Atlanta stays in there. They run the ball on everybody. Yep. I, I I think seven and a half is a lot of points here. I really do. Same here. I took the seven and a half with the Falcons. I I don't expect Lamar to be out there. And Huntley, if he's out there, he's compromised with a right shoulder injury. So it's not a good situation and, for an and, already and coming bad off offense. a concussion too. Yeah, yeah. It's a bad offense, and now they have hurt quarterbacks. I would never lay the points. I wouldn't even tease it. I'm just taking the Falcons plus seven and a half. Commanders and the 49ers, San Francisco laying seven extended rest after clinching the division against the Seattle Seahawks last Thursday night. Total 37 and a half. It's going to be a tough game for our guy Taylor Heineke going up against that defense, man. I think bad lines don't travel, and I think it's going to be hard unless they stay in protection. It's hard to run the ball in San Francisco. The game becomes one-dimensional. You know, I, I, and let's face it, this Washington team doesn't score a lot of points. I mean, if, I think if, if San Francisco gets to 21, they win, you know, because I think this line for Washington, every time they play against a good front, whether it's Philly or someone else, they have trouble. Finally, we get to the game that oh, I will be glued to, Michael. Uh, America's going to – it's nationally televised. It's going to be the late afternoon game out in Jerry World. The Philadelphia Eagles taking on the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys' last stand – to maybe steal the NFC East, which seems very, very unlikely after last week. But Dallas is a six-point favorite, total 46.5. We talked about it earlier in the podcast. It'll be Gardner Minshew starting for the Philadelphia Eagles. How do you see this game playing out? I think it's an overreaction. I think six is too much. I think Philly's still a good team, even with Minshew. Mm -hmm. I think they'll be different, but they're still a good team. 
and I think they'll play high. I think that the hard part for Dallas is are they going to be are they going to be up to the level that they need to be up for, or are they going to be okay? We're getting the backup. I mean, they got to be aware that this is it. So look, I, I think Dallas can throw the ball. I think that's how you got to beat Philly. You got to have a good passing game. You got to protect the football. And you got to get Minshew to make a mistake. The last few weeks, they, you know, Hertz made mistakes last week. They had every chance to lose that game, but they overcame it because of the fumbles, because of Hertz just throwing two interceptions. So, you know, you've got to do a good job of pass protecting this Eagle front's really getting after it, especially yeah. inside. So I think it's a field goal game. I think Same. six is way too much. Yeah, I, I think it's a field goal game as well. And I think the Eagles' defense, we're going to see them stand up to the task in this game, and they'll give Dallas some issues. But I also think that the Eagles and where they're going to lose this game will be in the red zone. I think they're going to really miss Jalen Hurts in the red zone with that ground game, what they're able to do. Minshew, yeah, point. in the tight windows, I think he'll struggle. Like, he'll be able to move the ball 20 to 20, but in those tight windows, I think Minshew yeah, will struggle that, the a little movement, bit. Yeah, I think you might be right there. I think at some point, you know, you got to be able the, – the, the foot movement and, set, and making the defense displace mm-hmm. is always a challenge in the red zone. Yeah, yeah. that always certainly benefits you. Yeah, I think Cowboys by a field goal, which means I'm probably going to bet the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, and God have mercy go. on my soul. All right, that does it for us this week on the podcast. We hope everybody has a happy and healthy holidays. Christmas Eve is coming up. Christmas on Sunday. It's going to be a lot of fun. Stay healthy. Stay happy. Enjoy the football. Michael, I know you'll be enjoying the football. Happy gonna- holidays. We appreciate everybody. Yes. I mean, what a great Christmas gift this has been to work with you and have so many mm-hmm. great fans talk to us. And certainly we appreciate all the people that listen. Merry yes. Christmas. Yeah, try not to drown in the bourbon this weekend. <laughs> we're oh, gonna I try, won't. We're going to try not to. <laughs> but we're going to have ourselves a lot of fun. Thank you to our producer, Brian Ortega, who was filling in for our guy, Elliot Bowman, who's joining the holidays back in Indianapolis with his family. Thank you to all of our listeners and viewers. Thank you to DraftKings. Thank you to VEASAN. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. And we will talk to you guys the day after Christmas. So happy holidays once again. Be well, and we'll talk to you on Monday.